And so this morning, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. We thank you, Lord, that you hear us. We thank you, Lord, that you see us. And we thank you above all else that you are with us. The Bible teaches that you are close to those who are brokenhearted and that you care for those who are going through tough times. And so, Lord, this morning, we bring our people on our playlist to you, those that are facing all kinds of challenges. We know that there are many facing financial challenges. Father, we pray that you would help them to know that they can trust you with their finances and that you will continue to provide even when it feels like you are not. Help them to know your provision. Help them to trust in your provision, Lord. I pray for those who are struggling with mental health and emotional issues. Father, I pray that they would know that there is no issue too big in this world, that they can't bring it before you. Help them to trust you. Help them to find the help that they need. And help them to know that you care about them. And Lord, I pray for Heather and Tia and Renee and Ray and Lauren and Ian and Rolf and Jonathan and Cheryl and Janet Jacobs' daughter-in-law and Carmen. And Lord, I pray that you would touch their lives and every other person that is here that is facing any sort of challenge. And Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come and touch their hearts so that they would know the care and, and the trust of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for all that we have, all that we are, and all that we'll ever be. And Lord, we pray over our country. And Lord, we pray that as we go into an election year, may we see our parties for who they are and not just for them quickly um, cleaning up and quickly kissing babies and making everything seem like it's good. But help us get to the heart of the issue and help us know who the right candidates are. And so, Lord, I pray that and I pray for those who stand up against corruption. I pray that this year may they have perseverance to keep standing up even when it seems like it's easier to give up. Help us to be people who do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this morning, I just want to thank you for praying for your neighbor. And I want to remind you that that is actually your Christian duty. It's our duty to pray for one another. And so this morning, I want to preach a message entitled, A Reasonable Response. Say to your neighbor, say, A Reasonable Response. And so who of you know that there's a massive difference between a reaction and a response? How many of you on your way to church this morning have reacted to something? Okay. Reaction, it happens haphazardly. Sometimes it's like, oh, we're late for church. And then you're like, come on, why are you always, why are you always late for church? And why, why, why do you take so long in the morning? Right, Uncle Joe, you say that to Auntie Alzheimer. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the actions happen when the taxi driver cuts in front of us. Yeah, no, you know, the, the, the actions happen when things don't go our way. The actions happen when we, when we uh, pour a glass of water over and we almost say a word that we shouldn't say, um, whether we're in church or not. You know what I mean? Um, the actions happen when we stub our toe. 
but the response is a lot more thoughtful. It takes a, it, it's something that it doesn't just happen. It takes a while. We respond slowly. We react slowly. That's a response. And so let me give you an example of a reaction. So I, I had a dream um, in the week. How many of you love it when you remember your dreams? So this dream I remember. It was a terrible dream though, but I'm going to tell it to you. So I dreamt that we were sleeping at night and there was someone in our house who was breaking in. And so I did what any man with, with chest hair would do. I have no chest hair, by the way. But I, I do what any man with chest hair would do. And I immediately go out of our room. I close the door. I say to my wife, lock the door. This is my dream, by the way. I, I'm, 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 I'm saying again, it's a dream. And so I go and I lock the door and I say to my wife, watch the kids, make sure the kids are okay. You know, be okay, close the door and, and don't come out no matter what. And so I start walking, you know, I, I don't even take anything with me. I just walk, I, I, trust, in, I trust in these two boys. And, and I start walking in my dream, understand it's a dream. And I start walking towards the room and he, um, he happens to be in the room on the other side of the house. And so I walk. And I switch on the light and the guy starts running towards me. And so in my dream, I'm going and I'm going to punch him, right? But in reality, what's happening is my wife's over me in reality and she's going, it's okay, it's okay. Because in reality, I'm going, you see, that is a reaction to something that was happening. I should have, in my dream even, had a response, but it's a dream. And, and so sometimes, you know, we can, we can react in our dreams, right? But, but let me say it this way. The things of God, the things of the kingdom of God, do not require a reaction. They require a response. They require a thoughtful response. And so we don't just react, but we respond. And so this morning, say, let's have a reasonable response. Say to your neighbor, have a reasonable response. You see, in this passage that we read in, Ma in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, it's all about the wise men. And so the wise men come, and the wise men would have been from the east. They would have been Gentiles. In fact, some scholars believe they weren't even that wise. Some scholars believe that they were just normal men who liked looking at stars. And so they saw this amazing star and they were convinced that it must mean something really cool. And so they thought, man, it must mean that a king has been born. And so these, these wise men, they go to where they think kings would come from. They go to the palace. And they get to the palace and we start to see some things unfold. They say, where is this king that we saw in the stars? And so the, the, the Herod says to them, what do you mean a king? And he basically says, uh, no, you know what? There's no king here, but keep looking. And if you find a king, come back and tell me. And then he goes and he calls the chief priests and the, and the scribes of the day. And he says, what do you guys know about a king? And they say, well, there's a king who is going to be born, and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And that's it. And so then what happens is 
the, the wise men, and there's not just three of them, there's more. But the wise men decide, okay, cool. We're going to follow the star. We're going to keep going to Bethlehem and see the star. And when they get to Bethlehem, they see um, Mary and they see Jesus. Jesus just lying there. And they immediately lay down and they worship him and they give him gifts. And so in this passage, we see three responses to Jesus. And so I'd like to, to tell us all that we all probably respond to Jesus in one of these three ways. The first response is the response of Herod. Herod would display an open hostility and hatred towards Jesus. This is what the Bible says. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Herod had heard about the coming of the Messiah, but the reality with Herod was all he cared about was himself. His th first thought was that this Messiah would eventually come and replace him. And he was willing to do whatever it took to stop that from Herod. Herod in this passage determines when the star appeared and eventually he would go and he would kill all the boys that were born in Bethlehem that were under the age of two years old. Herod said to the Magi, tell me where he is when you find him so that I may come and worship him also. Herod claimed a desire to worship Jesus when he really wanted to kill him. Herod heard about Jesus but couldn't accept what, G what was said about Jesus because all he cared about was himself. Herod had his, had his own motives. Herod's only concern was his own power, his own wealth, his own being, the way that it was, his own lifestyle. And he didn't want to get, he didn't want anyone to get involved in his lifestyle. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you not see some of yourself in Herod? They're like, Jesus is cool. I like the idea of Jesus. If I get the things that I want when I want them. You want God to be there, but when things are bad, but as soon as things are going good, you're like, oh man, what is God? I can, I can store him away for later. Sometimes we feel like we can go without God. Anyone ever been there? Like, ah, I can survive a little while without God. I do it my way. I'm okay. You see, you want your life the way it is. You would push away Jesus when he challenges your thoughts, your lifestyle, or your sin. Many of us only want a Savior when it suits us. But when he starts challenging us and starts telling us how to live our life, we're like, nah, I don't want that. And then what we silently do is we do whatever we can to kill him in our lives. We start pushing him to the side. We start saying, I'll accept Jesus in these ways, but not in these ways. I come to church and that is enough. But when this young preacher starts saying things that, that are challenging my life, I'm like, ah, oh, that's cool, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't affect me. Anyone been there? Okay, I'm the only one and that's okay. But I believe that many of us respond like, hey, they're trying to, trying to just push Jesus away, trying to kill him. The second response we, we might have is the one of the chief priest. 
the chief priests and the scribes were indifferent toward Jesus. All their lives. So watch this from Scripture. Gathering together, all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them whether Messiah was to be born. Well, they told him. And that was that. Back to business as, as usual. You see, the, the scribes of the day and the religious folk, they knew what, what would have been the Torah inside and out. And so they knew everything there was to know about the, the coming of the Messiah. But note, they didn't go after the Messiah. They didn't care really that the Messiah was being born. Why? Because they were like, okay, cool, there's a Messiah. But they felt like, oh, the Messiah is not going to change anything in my life. And many times we may know Jesus or know about Jesus, but our lives do not change as a result of knowing Jesus. We're like, okay, I'm, I'm fine with coming to church on a Sunday. That's enough for me. I'm fine with putting some money in a jar. That's enough for me. I'm fine with singing a few songs. That's enough for, with, enough for me. Or even let me go so far to say, some of us believe that it's fine to come to church twice a year, Easter and Christmas, and maybe a baptism or the wedding, or, or you know, we're all dressed up in our suits for funerals. But you see, that is not enough. That's the, 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 the response or the reaction of the scribes. They were like, man, it is what it is. It doesn't affect my life. And many times we start following Jesus and then we're like, yeah, I, I like, I'm a Christian. I write it on a piece of paper. But when it comes to speaking up for what is right, ah, I don't want to do that. When it comes to giving of ourselves and giving everything we have, ah, I don't want to do that. And so the last response we find is the response of the Magi, the response of the wise men. The wise men sought out Jesus and worshipped him, even at great cost. Verses 9 to 11 says this, When they heard the king, they departed, and behold the star which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In this passage, we see the wise men were probably astronomers of the day. And yet when they saw the star, they knew that something profound was about to happen. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon says this, those who look for Jesus will see him. Those who truly see him will worship him. Those who worship him will consecrate their substance unto him. And so I want to ask you this morning, if you are not seeing Jesus for yourself, then are you even looking for him? See, we, we find a few points about the wise men. When they got to Jesus, they immediately laid on the, on the ground and they started to worship him. They were filled with exceeding joy to see him and they gave sacrificial gifts. 
they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And now what's interesting about this passage is that when they get there, they offer these gifts and they're not even offering the gifts to Jesus because Jesus can't use these gifts. But they offer the gifts nonetheless and they hope that the parents, that Mary, will use these gifts accordingly. You see, it is our job when we offer ourselves and we offer our worship. It, it doesn't matter how someone else responds. It's our job to respond accordingly. In the same way, when we give to Jesus, we do not give to him directly, but to his people who use those gifts on his behalf and hopefully wisely. So how should we respond to a God who loves us? How should we respond to Jesus? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 gives us a clue. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Another, another verse says, this is your reasonable response. You see, the reasonable way to respond to Jesus is by giving our all unto him. And so let's look at how the wise men did this. When the wise men got to Jesus, the first thing they did was they honored him with their lips. They praised him. They said, rejoice, this is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And so I want to challenge you this morning. When we see Jesus and when we experience Jesus and when we decide to live for Jesus, we have to respond with our voice. We have to worship him with our voice. We have to worship him with our words. We have to worship him with the way we speak. Let me ask you, how often do you bring Jesus up in a conversation? How often can people see that Jesus is in your heart just by the way you speak? The Bible says that out of the overflow of our hearts, we will know what is happening. And so, out of the overflow, we should preach and speak Jesus constantly like the wise men did. The second, the second response of the wise men was they gave everything that they had. They gave of themselves. You see, many of us, we think um, our salary is ours. We think our time is ours. We think our service is ours. No, it is the Lord's. The Lord gave to us, and so we should give back to him. And so the wise men give gold, they give frankincense, and they give more. And so let 2024 be the year where we decide we're going to give all that we have, all that we are, all that we'll ever be unto Jesus and unto the kingdom. And final, the final response is they gave of their time. You see, it would have taken them a few years in total where they saw the star. They were like, wow, what is that? And then they started walking. They started walking to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem, it would have taken them a long time. And this year, I want, I want to ask you, how much of your time are you giving to Jesus? See, many of us think 10 minutes a day is enough. Many of us think a, uh, an hour a week is enough, right? But the reality is every single day, we need to give of our time. I believe you should find a place uh, where you can serve this year in church. 
I believe you need to find time where you can read the Bible, where you can pray, get into a life group. And even at your workplace, find time, find space where you can tell others about Jesus, where you can turn your heart back to Jesus. And that is what it means to respond reasonably. And we respond, why? Because Jesus has come and he has done everything he needs to do for us. And so in closing, I want to say this. Every single person in here today is under the guilt and bondage of our sinfulness toward God. We deserve judgment and we know it. It is a debt we can never pay. And yet Jesus, who is God in human flesh, says, I have come to pay it. I give my life to pay the price of your sin. And when we experience this forgiveness and this freedom, the death of Jesus, we discover that for the rest of our lives and for the rest of eternity, Jesus works for us. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Meaning, through all our pleasures and all our pain, Jesus is working to bring us everlasting happiness in the presence of the all-satisfying God. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, how are you going to reasonably respond to God this morning? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we heard those words, help us to live lives where we respond to the kingdom, where we respond to Jesus. You see, sometimes when we respond, we respond like Herod did, which was push Jesus away. Kill him at all costs. Or we respond like the, the scribes. And we say, yeah, it's just Jesus. It's just church. Doesn't matter. We'll go when we need it. Or do we respond with the wise men who responded with their time. They responded with their gifts. And they responded with their words. And so in doing, they responded with all they had, all they have, and all they'll ever be. So help us to respond accordingly. We pray this in Jesus' name. We honor you, Lord, and praise you and glorify you now.